Blog Talk Radio. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. I am Grim Shea, and joining me today is no one. That's right. I snuck out early this morning so I could grab the best seat on the couch and hog the remote all to myself. And I am doing a rogue show. That's right. It is a stolen remote episode. Uh, We weren't even going to have a show this week, but you know what? There's a little something I thought I'd sneak in here and and let you guys know about anyway. So don't tell Marky, don't tell Johnny Heck. But I, well, look, let me set the scene for you here. On the show, we get a lot of screeners, like a lot of of movies that people want us to see, and then we can interview them, and then, you know, we turn out this very entertaining uh, show for you. And so we get to see a lot more movies than we even get to talk about. Some are great. Some are less than great. But uh, every now and then you find one that's actually, like, really, really good. You know, one that I just want to, out of the blue, just recommend to friends and family. And what are you serialites to me if not friends and family? Hmm? So it's extra heartbreaking when we get one of those great surprises in the screeners here on the show. But then for some reason, it doesn't, it, it's just not quite fitting in with the conversations that we're having on the show. And then you just, we, you, you bite your lip, you got to let it go. Hope someone else can give it the coverage it deserves. But not this time. I'm standing up for it. I'm going to tell people about this movie, even if it's a shameless plug. The one I want to talk to you about today, it's called Convergence. It's new. You can find it on, you know, iTunes, Amazon. Uh, You can stream it a bunch of places. Probably end up on Netflix soon. Never hurts to check. But it is, uh, it's from a guy named Drew Hall, uh, wrote and directed this. And I had a chance to talk to him. And he is awesome. He might be one of my favorite guests ever. I'll let you guys uh, listen to our conversation. And, as if that wasn't enough, I even got to talk to the star, Clayne Crawford, who, it turns out, is a real-life badass. Uh, you'll, you'll see what I mean. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you listen to our conversation that, uh, that we had the other day as well. And, and believe it or not, and let this serve as a, as a warning as well, but the sound quality is not great because the man was out working on his farm in between filming movies as he was talking to me. That's just awesome. That's awesome to me. Anyway, I want to tell you more about Convergence. I can't, I don't, I'm not going to spoil it for you, which means I actually can't tell you very much. This thing has a bunch of twists and turns. And just believe me when I tell you, 
you're going to think you know where it's going early on, and then it's going to twist on you. You're going to, okay, a few minutes later, you think you've got it, and boom, it's going to move again. And trust me, there's a one of those classic third act twists that you don't see coming, and boom, the the script is just flipped again. And you're, 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 if you're still hanging on, you're in for a hell of a ride. Uh, yeah, I really, uh, there's a bunch of scenes I want to describe for you, but the context alone would it'll give away at least one or two of the twists. Uh, suffice to say, uh, it's also got, uh, if you're a member of McKelty Williamson, uh, from Forrest Gump, um, and Three Kings and lots of other good things. And, and also Ethan Embry from Can't Hardly Wait. Remember, like one of the most sympathetic characters ever in our generation. Uh, everybody turns in a great performance. Uh, Clayne Crawford is the main star, but everybody gets a chance to shine in this one. Uh, there's, I'll tell you, it's not a comedy. But other than that, I can't be any more specific about the genre even. You know, it's it's got some horror. It's uh, it's got some supernatural. It's got some. It's got a lot of mystery. It's uh, it, there's a lot going on. And trust me, every time you figure it out, it's gonna change on you. It's this, this is a this is a must see. It's getting my official stolen remote stamp of approval. I think you know how rare that is if you listen to the show a lot. Okay, I don't want to take up any more extra time because here I'm going to let you listen in on a on a very special interview that I had with the main star, Clayne Crawford, who, as I mentioned before, was outside working on his farm in Alabama. Uh, what what a badass. Anyway, Magic Interview Machine, give us a taste of Clayne Crawford. Well, I got to tell you, honestly, man, that, that sounded cool as hell when you said, oh, sorry, I'm on my farm. Hey, hello, man. I got three kids, you know, and we were in L.A. from, I was there about 16, 15 years, and just couldn't do it, man, with the kids, you know. They got to have, I want them to be able to run until they can't breathe anymore, you know, and uh, be able to kind of play in the creek and that kind of deal. So this is definitely... Uh, kind of how I want to do it out here for sure, full time. Man, it sounds like you got it figured out. Are, are you originally from L.A.? Well, no, I grew up in, I grew up in the town that I in Alabama, and uh, I moved to L.A. when I was about 17. All right. And, uh, yeah. Well, well, obviously, you're, you're still working in entertainment. you got a long history there, and uh, if you can do it from a farm, again, awesome. Yeah, definitely. I think, if anything, kind of being on the farm helped my career. You know, not, not off the farm necessarily, but certainly isolation from the industry. Um, I, I think kind of gives you perspective uh, as an artist, and and you because I think you get caught up in the business side of it way too much because um, you're inundated with it with the billboards and and just everyone in town kind of knows what's going on in the industry, and I I think you kind of forget why you're doing it. And um, and then that leads to, you know, faults in your performance. Um, I think you kind of get away from just being a human being and kind of getting your hands in your dirt in the dirt and kind of being connected to whatever this thing is, you know. So it's definitely helped as opposed to uh, hinder uh, my career for sure. Awesome, yeah. I mean, after a while, you, you just turn into some sort of Hollywood robot who has to do these stupid radio call-in shows all the time. You're keeping it real clean. <laughs> I respect that. 
Hey, everybody, we're talking to Clayne Crawford. You probably know him from a lot of things, but what I want you to know him from today is the new movie Convergence, which I got to see, and I don't care if it comes off like a shameless plug. I really love that movie. Oh, that's great, man. You know, look, we had a lot of fun making the film, uh, and I was fortunate to actually... Uh, I was able to shoot in the state of Alabama, which, look, there's not a lot going on in the film world. Uh, and, and out here, I mean, certainly Atlanta and, and Louisiana has have really kind of put themselves on the map uh, in relation to Hollywood. But for me to get to come back home uh, was such a treat. And, and also working with the director from the state as well. Um, and we shot the whole film in Alabama, and it was just down in Mobile, Alabama, and it was just a wonderful experience. Yeah, Drew is a wonderful human being without ego. And uh, I find that this industry is is every day more and more filled with that. So it's, it's exciting. And, and I think it, it just goes to Drew's discipline uh, more than anything to just really kind of approach these each project like a, like a, like a marathon. And uh, he really just kind of paces himself and sees it through. And um, I can't say the same for other directors I've worked with. Ooh, you 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 want to go ahead and drop some names? We we can get down of and dirty not. in Hollywood. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, um, I I do want to talk a little bit more than convergence because my producer would kill me if I didn't. But before we leave the subject, I I'm having the hardest time figuring out how to describe this movie. It doesn't fit into any one genre. I can't just call it a thriller or supernatural or horror. What? I'm not good with labels either. I have to be honest with you. I, I, I but I, I think, um, you know, look, the, those, those aspects that you can't really put your finger on. I think that's what kind of drew me to the project. Uh, the, the simple fact that I felt I knew what was going on, and I was even to myself as, uh, as an egotistical actor. I said, "Well, I already have this figured out. This is ridiculous." And then it takes another turn. And I said, oh, wow, I never saw that coming. And it was great that I think Drew with his style kind of created this thing to where it lures you in. And at times you kind of pat yourself on the back that you kind of have all the, you feel like you put all the puzzles in the right spot. And then you turn a corner and there's something new. And uh, I think the film can be described as just exciting um, and and uh, and deep at times, you know. And I think Drew kind of wanted to get a message out there. But overall, it's just a fun ride. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I know exactly what you're saying because there were two or three times in the movie where, you know, I, I'm like, all right, I think I got this figured out. This is a horror movie that has a little bit of supernatural, but mostly it's, oh, no, now it actually went philosophical there. Now they're actually right. exploring the idea of grace, redemption, and I mean, it, it goes real deep out of nowhere. Not that it's jarring, of course. I think that, again, like I said, I love this movie. It's great when I get well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's you so surprisingly it. good. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was an opportunity, again, to work in the state. I enjoyed the material, and I never played the straight, uh, quote-unquote, good guy. Uh, and I kind of thought Professor Ben Walls was, um, and I thought it would be just an interesting challenge. I think sometimes I hide behind characters, and it's just something that I'm comfortable playing. Uh, so, it, it, for, for me, again, for many reasons, it was an interesting project and exciting. I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. Oh, thanks. And anytime you do a project like that, I'd love to jump on board and, and watch it. And if it's that quality, I'll gush again. Absolutely. Thank you, man. All right. And before I let you go, uh, my producer, Marky, was is such a fan of Jericho. He was one of the people who sent peanuts in to, to bring it back. 
when he heard that I was going to talk to you, he, he was so upset that he was going to be out of town. I said, ah, don't worry, I'll mention Jericho. And he said, you better. You better tell him how much I like it. So I feel like I've really fulfilled my end of it. But if you remember anything about the show, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Look, it was a great I, – I knew Skeet and uh, and Ashley, uh, Scott, and so it was great to get to go work with those guys. And um, But I, I have one quick story. Uh, I, I, when they asked me if I could come to the show, my middle son had just performed. And uh, I could have cash, right? And they said my, – my agent called. I said, well, look, you've got to be able to ride a horse. And they're like, you're from Alabama, right? You can ride a horse. I'm like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never been on a horse in my life, okay? <laughs> now, luckily, I had seen, and, and, and look, I couldn't pull this out of the air. I'd seen a King of the Hill episode a couple of weeks before. Hank had gone out on a ranch with Peggy, and he had to rustle some cows up through some to run them through some kind of some kind of uh, town, and something had happened, and he had never been on a horse. And I remember they're yelling at him, telling him to kind of sit up in the saddle and kind of bend your knees and this whole kind of thing. That was the only information I had going into this shoot. Now I get on set, and the uh, stunt coordinator, they come knock on the trailer, let's go in and come on out here. I said, great. He goes, okay. So here's what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to get in this fight with Skeet here. You're going to grab a horse. You untie him. As you're pulling him around, jump up on it. Now, mind you, I'm holding a shotgun at this time, okay? So he's like, so you jump up on this horse with a shotgun, and as you're pulling the horse around, you're going to fire a shot over your left side, and I'm pulling the horse to the right because we've got a squib in this bell of hay here. That squib explodes. It pops. You take off running down through those little Cessnas. We're on a small little airport, okay? So there's like little Cessna 172 scattered throughout. And I said, do I, uh, do I need to sit with the animal for a minute? Do I need to try to, you know? And he goes, oh, no, no, the animal's fine. You'll be fine. Right, you guys want to just run through one? I was like, no, no, we've got everything set up. Let's shoot it. Let's just shoot it, guys. I'm, it's all I can do not to throw up, okay? Because I'm going to kill myself, possibly the animal, a crew member. This is all happening right now. And there's nothing I can do but just go for it. I jump on this horse. I swing that thing around. I fire the weapon. The squib goes off. I take off. This animal's heading straight for a wing. Okay? I hang, All I can do is try to get myself to the side so it doesn't decapitate me. They freak out. They love it. Let's shoot two more with a stunt double so he can get on the side of the horse and fly down through there and look like he's really about to get his head cut off. Cut. <laughs> yeah. That was my experience with Jericho. So it was, it was what a, absolutely a wonderful experience in the blast, but I almost went into cardiac arrest. <laughs> See, if you had just managed to clip yourself on that wing, you could have saved the stunt guy a little bit of work. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If I could have had a stunt guy do the entire thing, buddy, <laughs> I would have. <laughs> Hilarious. Well, look, this has been an absolute pleasure, and uh, thank you so much. And, uh, look, I appreciate you supporting the film. No, not at all. Like I said, this is this is one of those where I want to do it regardless. It was so good. You're, you're a hell of a gentleman. Appreciate that, Clint. Hey, my pleasure. Have a good day, sir. Introducing the new talking cereal. Oh, uh, how's this? No, 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 no. What are you guys talking about? The sound marshmallows make in our new marshmallow crispy cereal. You can't go snap, crackle, pop. Marshmallow. Kellogg's Marshmallow Krispies is part of this complete breakfast. Do you like them? That's the sound. Mm. It's a 
Sure, Rice Krispies can talk to you too, but we know more words here at Saturday Morning Cereal, and I used almost all the words I know with Clayne Crawford there. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I think is just awesome, and he makes me feel like a tiny, insignificant, non-man person. Uh, that's all right. World, world works better for uh, for for tough guys like that. Uh, anyway, Convergent. It's uh, he's he's the main star. But he is just, you know, one piece among among many that the uh, the creator of this movie, Drew Hall, uses to make it work. And uh, and I'm this is an, an example of of how someone can use every resource so well that you would swear to God they've got a studio made movie up there. But this is not this guy. This was made on a shoestring budget, and I would wager that most of that budget probably went to, you know. Getting you know, just getting the actors there. After that, doesn't leave you a whole lot for CG and and advertising and a marketing blitz and that's that's it definitely qualifies as an independent movie. But you watch it on the screen, there's no reason to think that. It's a slick production. It's top notch. Uh, there are some special effects, but it's not overladen and everything's used well. There's there's an art to making an independent movie that doesn't look like an independent movie, you know, because you're, it it wasn't that long ago where you basically had to walk around with a camera in downtown New York with a couple of B-list actors. And that was as good as, as you could technically make your, uh, your independent movie. So it, it better be one hell of a script. You better be using a, a real artistic voice. And that I think was a was kind of a good thing. I remember the rise of indie movies and how it kind of challenged the studio system. Um, and now there are so many more. It is so different. You can take a shoestring budget like uh, like what our friend Drew Hall here had, and you can make something that looks like fifty million dollars up on the screen, but you still have your own, you know, uh, artistic voice and vision behind it. It hasn't been muddied by interfering executives who are, well, you kind of have to let them influence you. I think if they're handing you a check for $20 million every couple of weeks saying, all right, keep doing this, but uh, make make her a redhead and have that guy wear a beard, you know. But now with independent movies coming around that turn, thanks to computers and just the ability to make these great special effects and shoot digitally, it's uh it's a different ball game it's yet another indie revolution and and as a result there are just a lot more movies now i think and you'll find per capita it doesn't mean that it doesn't exactly equate to a lot more good movies but there are bound to be some out there that are worth the the even the couple of million dollar budget, which is, believe me, extremely modest for a movie, but there's got to be at least a couple of those that come out and are decent and worth watching, and we see plenty of those here at the show. But this one really stood out to me. So I wanted, that's why I wanted to take a little minute. Well, all right, I'm going to waste a good 45 minutes of your day on this, but I believe in this. I think this is a great movie, and when I talk to Drew Hall, and you'll hear when, uh, when I when I play this conversation for you, he seems like an awesome guy. The length that he doesn't think twice about just he's going to produce content. 
I think. It doesn't even uh, enter his mind. It would be more of an issue probably for him if he had to stop producing content. This isn't this isn't a guy working a nine to five job. And I love that when when all here on the show we get to talk to people and you know it's more than an act that they're doing. It's more than fulfilling some some part of their job. Me and Drew talked. I mean, he caught me totally off guard. He he even mentioned that he listens to the show right off. Boom! I I I'd lost my notes right then. So and it just turned into like a a conversation. I could barely keep up with him. In fact, it was awesome. And then he even called back and we chatted again later for a while. Because why not? He's a hell of a guy. He was interested in what I had to say. I wanted to hear what he had to say. And whether you like it or not, you guys are about to hear what we had to say to each other. So without further ado, Magic Interview Machine, do your thing. Meanwhile, So I'm a fan of the show. I, um, I, uh, I was excited when I saw it show up on the list. Oh, thanks. That, that's very kind of you. I, I almost don't believe you. That's so nice. No, I'm telling you, I um, I uh, the, the last one I listened to was um, it was a stuntman one. Um, cause you you kind of wrangled me in with um, the unknown stuntman because I was a big Fall Guy kid growing up. Like that was my favorite show when I was a kid. So you kind of pulled me into the the old lead majors vibe. That's that's exactly how we got hooked in. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate that, Drew. Oh, no worries. No worries. Well then, I'm 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 very happy to say that, uh, and and I'm not lying on this one. I actually did watch the screener for Convergence yesterday. Uh, I really really enjoyed it. Honestly, I saw it, and honestly, I liked it. The um, uh, I I don't even know what genre to put it in. It's it's a weird movie because it's 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 tricky to put it into any space really, right? Because it it feels like an it was my throwback to a '90s action cop movie, and then it suddenly flows into kind of a weird thriller, and then a horror movie, all in, all in one fell swoop. So, I mean, it really it, it it got me that way. Whereas, you know, I figured uh, by the time I knew it wasn't going to be divergent, right? Which was the, right. the only the only thing in the back of my mind. I said, "Oh, wait a minute, I've I've heard of these," and then so so I got that out of the way. Oh, and by the way, I guess I should start this off. Everybody who's listening, you're very lucky to be hearing this. Uh, Drew Hall, writer, director of the new movie Convergence. If you're a fan of horror movies, fine, it's a horror movie. If you're a fan of mysteries, fine, it's a mystery. Uh, if you're a fan of, uh, I, I guess there's not a lot of laughs. So I'll say it's not a comedy. <laughs> no, no, there's, there's, yeah, there's no comedy. Right. <laughs> It looked like this thing cost you about uh, $80 million to make. Oh, I appreciate that. That's like a huge compliment. Yeah, we, we, um, we're an indie film, right? So we, uh, the, the budget range is, we'll say under $3 million and greatly under $3 million, but I'll just leave it at that to keep the producers <laughs> happy. But uh, yeah, we came in on, you know, the funny thing is we actually came in under budget by, uh, let's say, around. 150,000, 100,000, somewhere in there. And we actually spent the rest of the money. I was able to, to use the rest of the money. We recorded the um, part of the soundtrack. We were actually able to record live score. So like some of that's um, uh, a symphony out of Seattle. And we, I flew up there and, and the composer was there. And we, I got to, for the first time as a film nerd, I, like I got to stand there and watch some guy conduct music to the, to the movie. And I, I like, I cried a few times because it was, it, as a, as a guy growing up watching classic movies, that's all I've ever wanted was just let me make one movie where I can score it for, you know, like the real score. So. Oh, that that is that magic stuff, too. 
and those DVD extras where they show the symphony working with the with the giant projection. Oh, that's got it. That's that does sound like a hell of a feather in the cap. Oh yeah, I mean, it's not precocious. It's just it's it's. I see it as a blessing as an indie guy to say, look, if I can do it, and you know, I grew up and came from rural Alabama. If I can do that, then it's hope that that anybody can get out and and you know really apply themselves and and think clever and be smart and be passionate and creative and and you know, it's not just the you can do it too. It's the work your butt off and you can actually accomplish something kind of fun and make a weirdly creepy cop drama action mystery <laughs> horror movie. Yes, and if you've got some talent, you can make it well. So, I mean, it's very easy to take uh, you know the standard trope of a uh, 90s cop buddy explosion terrorist uh, <laughs> horror I love the genre movies. <laughs> right. Uh, but but uh, you did it well, and it kept kept me guessing till the end. Oh, great! Yeah, that's the the fun part is, um, you know, the, the the when we we played a lot of con. I'm a big con guy. Like I love to go. Like we played Phoenix Comic Con because uh, we had another project um, that we were premiering there as well, and and we, so we premiered our, our steampunk thing, and then we did um, uh, we showed Convergence, and I like stood up on a chair and, and made a fool of myself, like I always do at cons, because I think it's about having fun, and uh, and I I challenged the audience, I was like, look, if anybody gets this. I will walk you right outside and buy you, you know, a beer or a coffee or an ice cream or whatever. And, um, and people looked at me like I was insane and then they watched it and, you know, and I don't want to reveal it, but like there's a really big third act twist that nobody has ever seen coming. And it's kind of fun for me to make that bet, you know, slightly arrogantly, but make that bet. No one ever sees that one. And it, but, but it doesn't feel forced or, or shoehorned. So, all right, you win the bet, you win the bet. Yeah, it's funny, and I, I, all I get is seeing you smile about it. I mean, that's the funny part about the deal, right? Is you, you, I see you smile, and you say, "Yeah, yeah, you won, you won. It was great, and it, and cool." Then, then I did my job as 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 a showman, right? As, as I, I convinced you to come see the, the, you know, the bearded alligator or whatever <laughs> you know the thing I'm selling. Yeah, you're you're circus barking, and it worked. It's circus parking. I'm going to steal that. I'm using it from this point. It's yours. It's yours. Throw it on the back of the DVD set. Sell it. <laughs> yes, I'll put a quote. It's full of circus barking. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's let's. Well, well, one of the reasons, what because it did keep me guessing, and you do, do have. I mean, that third act twist is just one of several twists. Right. You know, some of which you kind of set up for us to know. I don't even know. Like I, like it. It feels like you were. Like like a couple of red herrings in there, like oh I know the twist he's actually, and then by the time it's revealed, you you put it you kind of land it with a thud like well you should have known this, right? And then yeah, the other you know, we, twist um, come right around the corner after that. Right, exactly right. We, we when we uh, when I wrote it, uh, the joke was always, and I won't say what it is, just but the, the, what I call the soft sell twist, the first one that you find out. Pretty quickly. I mean, most people figure it out in the first three to five minutes, or I think it's seven minutes. But by the time okay, the average well don't viewer make our up, listeners feel dumb. They'll probably get it in the first ten seconds, right? They're, they're, I know your listeners are smart. They listen to your show. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, good one. You just pandered to them. I'm just saying it took me twelve minutes. So come on. <laughs> no, but you know, people figure it out. Whatever they figure it out. But the and and we knew that that most people would. 
and, and it does work, and it's a mechanic, right? You use this as a mechanic because it, it needs to happen to tell the story, but then you also use it as a, like a magic trick in a weird way at the sleight of hands. You see this one, and then you don't see the other one coming because you think you know where it's going. And, and, it's, and it's to say, I like movies that we experience together. I like sitting. I come from the school of thought of the film school of uh, sitting in the theater and listening to an audience gasp or cheer or, you know, like, never boo, but, you know, get excited about something. And the only way I know to do that is to, is to make a story that gives you those moments to do that the best I could. And that, that's what we tried to accomplish with it. Well, that, that leads to, to, to my main question that I have about the writing process here. There were a couple times, especially at the end, where I was like, I wonder if even he knew that was coming. I mean, did you have an actual outline that you stuck to, or did you get to the third act and say, ooh, you know what nobody would see coming, and I barely thought of well, okay, so I'll give you the the honest to God, um, not many people know this. The original idea behind this uh, the movie, uh, without spoiling anything, is it was actually supposed to be, and this will help answer your question, it was supposed to be two films at the same time. So you would see the story from, as you will now understand, both perspectives. So the, And they would meet at the exact same moment, which we call the convergence shot. They would meet at the exact same moment. It's about 57 minutes in. They meet at the 57-minute mark. So one movie is from one perspective. The other movie is from the other perspective. And then they both have the exact same ending going forward. So, yeah, I mapped it all out in, in very much detail. And, and I, I, The Shining was a big reference point for me. Was like Even setting geography was making sure that – um, I could confuse myself in the way the hallways are laid out because that the geography of that building is nothing remotely close to what it was. So, yeah, I did. I had a very clear, very defined um, system because it was supposed to be two movies at one time. I just happened to not, um, you know, the reality of life. I did. I, I got the funding for that one, and they said, let's just do this one. And I said, okay, great. Now, the cool thing is I do actually have uh, webisodes that show that other perspective that we're going to release. Hopefully they, they put them out. They're not on the Blu-ray, but they'll come out like in a couple of weeks after it's been out. So we'll put them up for people to look at. And you can actually see certain key moments in the film completely from a different angle, like totally from, from the other angle, as we call it. You can see that, like you meet characters and you get to know those characters better and you get their backstory all from another perspective. So you can actually watch the movie pause it when someone something happens to someone and then watch this little web bit and get the other side of uh, of something happening. Okay, so okay, I'm going to I'm going to choose my words carefully because I really want to confirm this but I don't want to spoil anything. But these would be those moments like in the distant hallway when you Yes. say you yep. see something and don't see it. Okay, see? That and and these webisodes are already produced. Why won't they just Put them in. I mean, the Blu-ray technology must be there, where it says oh, you hit this button and you can, and it automatically will play that for you. Why? Why won't they do that? Well, we talked about like not for just marketing reasons. We talked about initially of it, I don't I don't totally know all the business side in, in that space, but we talked about it from you know would it be fun to introduce this as a way of like okay, so watch you watch Convergence one time and you get you get a very interesting movie. If you watch it a second time without these clips, you still get an interesting movie. There's so many clues. We, the art department and the crew on the movie, we all planted clues throughout the entire film. There's little hints, like there's exit signs in almost every single setup. Um, and you just look for them. You look for the exit signs, but no one bothers to leave, right? And you understand why. And there's there's weird little hints throughout the entire picture that kind of build on the story. The more you watch it, the more it gets crazy. 
So then we kind of wanted to let that die down a bit and then pop these out and say, okay, just when you thought you knew everything, here's the other perspective, just, just so it would make it, you know, it's part of its shelf life, but part of it's to make it a little bit more fun and, and to experience something a little bit differently. I can kind of see that too. Going going outside to go track these down. I just I don't know. I don't know about these money many years, Drew. How much How much do you need? I got like fifty bucks sitting around. A check from my grandparents. Done. I'll, well, I'll, 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 you know what I'll do? I tell you what. Well, offline, I'll I'll get an email. I will send them to you and let you watch them, and you tell me if they're cool or not. I'll do that just for you for free because I like your show. How about that? Oh my God, Drew Hall, everybody, Drew Hall. Give him Circus a hand. Pandering. This is a saint of a man. Oh, <laughs> this is a this is a done deal. I, I I'm biased now. I'm already gonna like him. But uh, all right, all right. I'll be brutally honest when it when the time has come. No, I appreciate it. Look, I can't grow. Um, you, you can't grow without as an artist or a filmmaker, as a professional, as a father, as a husband, whatever I am, uh, whatever hat I'm wearing. Like I can't grow without feedback. So watch him. You'll be the first person ever to see him. I'm giving you the exclusive right now. You'll be the first person outside of the, the nerds in the building with me. You'll be the first to see it, and you tell me. It's like, oh, this was totally cool. Then, then I'll, I'll quote you and throw it up there and, and just put, like, totally cool circus pandering, and it'll be perfect. Bang. There you go. I, I will be your blurb machine, Mr. Hall. Thank I'll, you. I'll take it. <laughs> no, man, I appreciate it. Well, hot damn. I don't know how you at home are enjoying this, but this interview is going great for me. <laughs> well, uh, no, well, now I want to plug some more of your stuff. What else you got in the pipeline? IMDb says you're one hell of a busy guy right now. Yeah, we try, right? I mean, it's, I'm, I'm a businessman. I'm building houses. That's how I see films. I mean, I, I, I build them with love and, and I care about each house I build, but I'm building houses and pushing them. Um, uh, I'm a big supernatural guy, so supernatural content guy. So uh, I have a film we're working on. It should be coming out or getting it together soon. It's on a uh, black eyed kids. I don't know if you know that urban legend, but it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. So there's a really cool urban legend called black eyed kids or BEK as they call them. And there's like these creepy kids that just show up and knock on your door three times, you know, with like knock, knock, knock. And then they, they ask to come inside. And if you let them in, nobody knows what happens. So I wrote a script of here's what happens if you let them in. And it's crazy chaos and all this great stuff. So I'm doing that with the producer, Scott Robinson, who produced convergence. And then um, we have a film called uh, Project We're Working On. It's a steampunk-inspired, big, epic science fiction piece uh, called Ether, The Rise of Spectre. That's uh, a huge science fiction movie, and, and we got lucky and shot a proof of concept. It's about um, seven minutes long. You can see the trailer if you go to uh, etherprologue.com. Hey, everybody. Sorry to interrupt here, but I just wanted to mention that Ether is spelled A-E-T-H-E-R. Prologue, you're on your own for that spelling.com. You guys should check it out. It's awesome. Now back to the show. And you can see it. Where we got lucky is all the creative talents on it. We had um, Oscar winning VFX uh, cinematographer named Alex Funky, who did The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. He had Oscars for all that stuff. Uh, we had the Oscar winning makeup artists. Like all these great Oscar winners came together to help us create a completely original, completely original world idea space that's got like this steampunky Star Wars. Uh, people have been saying it, it kind of reminds them of uh, Mad Max meets Firefly because I'm a big brown coat. So they, I, I couldn't help but pay homage to my favorite oh, TV right. show ever. So, yeah. Okay, so that, that's kind of that, the, the gist. That doesn't sound like it could possibly be an indie project. I mean, really? No, sir. No, no. It's um, you, the, the pitch, the proof of concept was indie. But the making that movie, I got, I need, I need help from the big boys. I need studio help, and and you know, 
it's big, the effects and airships and airship battles and crazy, like, um, VFX or, um, uh, special effects makeup pieces. And there's a whole, it's a big, big world. Yeah. And it, and it sounds like, well, you know, steampunk inspired right there is going to make, uh, we've talked on the show, of course, about steampunk and, and how it's such a DIY thing and people working by themselves can actually do it for a reasonable amount of money. But I'm pretty sure if you have investors, you can't go to them with anything close to half-ass, three-quarters-ass, nine-tenths-assed when it comes to, you know, the costumes, the fill-out, the... Right. The... I mean, what... what? If you don't mind me asking, what, what's the ballpark figure on doing something like this with, you know, Oscar-winning Lord of the Rings costuming? Uh, what, what, what are you looking at with that? Uh, it, it, for the feature, you know, like if we made the feature length film, we would want to be in the, to get the right cast and, and the rest of the, you know, fill out everybody the way we want them. You know, I don't know. I would estimate somewhere between 35, 40 million. You could do it for a little bit less, but 35 or 40 puts us in the really happy place of, of, you know, having, having enough to treat the steampunk genre and, and the aesthetic properly, having the right cast in place to make sure that it, you know, it's fun and it's enjoyable and, and, you know, everybody's in love with it. And and so that way we're not trying to exploit steampunk. That's the one thing that we're very conscious of. And I think if we can stay steampunk inspired, because we're not set in earth, we're not, you know, Victorian, we're just pulling from this idea that, that DIY sort of uh, sci-fi cowboy element, uh, weird West element um, kind of pulls it, pulls it together. And, and most of the cast and crew that worked on that, on the proof of concept were, you know, pretty well-known steampunks or, or part of the steampunk community. And like they got behind us and rallied and, you know, they've been tremendous. So yeah, right around 40 million is what I would, I mean, dream scenario, 40 million bucks. Wow. That's, that's even less than I was expecting, but, but you know what, if you can get this thing off the ground, if you can treat it right, um, I am. We will be circus barking free press for you down here at the show, nonstop, starting right now. That's Ether, the Rise of Spectre, everybody. Yeah, and it's, you, know, you can find it at etherprologue.com. You can see we basically put up everything. We got behind the scenes videos. We got everything for you to, to explore and see how we did it. And interviews. There's all kinds of good stuff. I'm a role player, so I started playing tabletop RPGs a lot. You know, ever since I've grown up, right. and I use this writing tool. So, yeah, we built, we reverse engineered an RPG. We, we wrote an RPG. We reverse engineered it into a world uh, and basically made a screenplay of an RPG that we created. That's kind of how we pursued uh, making either. <laughs> do, you, do you thrive in something like that? Or do you ever feel like, all right, I mean, because a lot of your, a lot of your work has layers and very complex stories. Do you ever, in the middle of it, go, all right, I'm in over my head. I'm going to have to fake it. Just, just crawl out of this. Um, yeah, every once in a while, um, you know, the, the for whatever reason, I, I, I love science fiction, and and uh, Convergence, I would even maybe say, is science fiction in a way. So I love science fiction, um, and so my passion is in that. So it's very, it's not arrogant. It's just when you love, I'm a fan, right? So fandom. And being a fanboy of that kind of world that, that makes it easy for me to kind of get the ideas so I can retain it better. Um, whereas I, I've done work on a comedy and I've done two pieces of comedy, a, a pilot and then an, another movie. And that's the hardest, most brutal environment you'll ever experience. And they had a little hints of, the, of that sort of sci-fi element to them. But 
I, I still, they were, comedy's hard. Sci-fi is fun. Like, I like building worlds. I like, I like thinking about what this, what the, the race on a, on a continent, you know, um, a thousand miles away would look like because then I can bring them in subtly in the third episode or whatever the case is. And that's kind of how, so for me, I play a lot of RPGs, man. I still play RPGs. We have a weekly, so like, it's easy. It's just staying in the RPG space. Well, that's, uh, that, that's a gift then because I, you know, I've, I've dabbled in the RPGs. And I and I know exactly what you mean. Once you once the brain starts kind of going there, and you get into that into that headspace, and yeah, I imagine that race that lives on the other shore to the to the east. Uh, but then, if you ask me to describe them again three days later, suddenly they got four arms, no horns. I I I just I don't think I've got the ability to to keep myself there. So my hats off to you. I think that's part of art. No, I appreciate it. That's um. Look, man, I, I all I know is, is that's how my brain works. There's days when I wish I could turn it off and, and not <laughs> care. And, like, I would love to sit back and just love a movie again um, without seeing it like, you know, uh, I don't know. I have a tough time. Like, we talk about it on our podcast. It's like I, I will go see a movie in 3D because, for some reason, 3D glasses take me enough out of thinking like a filmmaker and thinking like a fan that I can enjoy the movie. And then the second time I watch it, I can be the critical jerk face that I really am on the inside of, Oh, why'd you pick that camera angle? That's not, uh, you know, I don't even know a term cinema. Verite. I don't know. It's just whatever. Well, well, you know what? I got, uh, I got one word for you then drew drugs. What can I say? It's tough out there when you're an artist looking at art. Oh, it's brutal. It's always brutal. Um, luckily, you know, there's craft beer. So I have craft beer and caffeine and I can, I can make it through anything with that. It's the Hot Stuff Sweepstakes, where a thousand kids can win a video recorder, compact stereo, recorder phone, miniature color TV, or home computer. Inside specially marked boxes of instant Quaker oatmeal are ten chances to win. If a packet says you win, you can choose one of these prizes. Or to win or free, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Hot Stuff, Box 1095, Libertyville, Illinois, 60198. One in 25,000 will win. Welcome back, everybody. And you know, you can write to me at Hot Stuff anytime you want, but probably just be disappointed with whatever you get. But you know where you can get something good just by writing? Well, you can write to us at Saturday Morning Serial at MattyPRadio.com. Once again, that's Saturday Morning Serial at MattyPRadio.com. And just write into us saying, hey, can I have something for free? And you know what? There's a chance you'll get it. That's right. We got some more swag here. Uh, our good friend, our good new friend, Drew Hall, that we were just listening to, did send us uh, a few issues of his very limited uh, edition uh, Ether comic books, which uh, which are exclusive to uh, to his promotional efforts when he goes out, when he puts on a presentation, when he's going to cons trying to push this thing. The only other place, the only other place in the world, aside from those cons and maybe his house, that you can get this, that's us. That's right. Saturday morning cereal. You want one of these uh, one of these issues that will get you caught up on the story while we wait for this magnum opus to be made? Well, you better get to emailing. There's only a couple, and we're keeping most of them. He also sent us uh, a couple of shirts from the movie Convergence, and... I don't know if you've taken my advice and gone out and watched it yet, or if you're waiting for this episode to end. And if that's the case, 
thank you very much. We appreciate that. But uh, you'll see the shirt that Clayne Crawford is wearing through the entire episode. He sent us two of those shirts. It's a very clever saying on the front, which, you know what, I'm not even going to spoil it for you, but it's cool. And once you see the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. And assuming me and Mark E. don't just keep these things, well, I think I'm keeping mine. So you better uh, you better email us real quick if you expect to get that. Uh, there's also a couple of uh, DVD box sets from the Time Life collection that uh, I think nobody has claimed yet. Mark E.'s willing to let those go. He's got to make room in the old Saturday morning cereal warehouse. So email us there. Uh, and also what's on the list? Oh, yeah, go rent Convergence. Go see that. Help support the good independent movies, and we'll get more of those and less crap. And that's that's the best thing we as consumers can do, shape the world around us. Anyway, I feel like I've done my part, so you get out there, watch Convergence, send us an email, tell me I'm right, tell me I'm wrong. doesn't matter. You can say whatever you want. Uh, until next time, Serialites, I would say, and I'm sure if Mark E. were here and Johnny Heck would, would both agree, that's about enough of this. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this.